to yet another Star Citizen podcast. I'll be your host along with Mr. Zero State Live here on Twitch uh, for the next uh, couple hours probably. Guys, we have a special episode today. We're joined by guest Star Jump, which we will jump into uh, here in a little bit. Zero, what are we going to be talking about this episode? Uh, we were talking about the ins and outs of corporate uh, espionage. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, boy. The uh, corpos today, raiding with your we'll tunes. talking about... Yeah, everything that we've seen over the last kind of month, we're going to do kind of a, a quick dive into those things. And uh, just kind of, I'll be dropping some links in Sonoda's chat as we go. Um, Excellent. And uh, just to kind of give you guys all that data in a compact format that you can listen to and or, um, you know, check out on your own. We have a then, guest uh, star jump, the latest uh, star citizen with Sandy and Chris calling all devs. Um, Zero brought up a good point yesterday because I was able to kind of, I had to pick through it late last night. Uh, and I believe they were talking about the medical gameplay, FPS scanning, and a few others he'll have to regale me on. Uh, like I said, mm -hmm. the latest ISC, the impending alpha patch 314 and all uh, their features. I wanted to talk quickly about Pedro in the Crusader theme, just because we got to see his face, and I don't know why, but that gets me all giddy. And the discussion on uh, future uh, future manufacturer homeworlds, just because we're going to be seeing Orison um, for Crusader, uh, and I'm obviously going to talk about Drake on Magnus, just for a, a quick minute, because I'm a big lore nerd. Um, so that's probably where we're going to dive right in and all the notable changes, um, through the roadmap that I think was produced on the 30th here, um, or on Wednesday, which was the, the 30th through the progress tracker, I think was the, uh, the last point. Uh, am I missing anything with that calling all devs? I, I've got to be, I uh, think there's like two or three points. Yeah. So they, they actually did a pretty good. So one thing I've seen CIG doing, we've talked about this a lot. Um, is that CIG has really been pushing for more depth in the things that they're that they're putting out. So they're giving the community a little bit more to chew on, especially this last month. They've mm -hmm. been talking a lot more about iCache and server meshing, um, and a lot a lot more about the things that we're going to be doing in everyday life in Star Citizen. We're going to be seeing the HUD every single day. We're going to be, um, you know, flying our ships down to planets most days. You know, that kinds of thing. Um, so it's mm -hmm. been really good to see that coming from CIG. And as far as like the, the calling all devs that we saw, uh, it was just yesterday. Um, they did, did kind of a deep dive into a lot of FPS mechanics and healing mechanics. Um, that was, uh, it was like a 30 minute video. And I, I mean, it was really informative. It wasn't, it wasn't just as I've been saying recently, uh, you know, the, what house plants they're working on for homesteads, which it's neat yeah. to see that stuff. But if they're spending 10 minutes on that showing us what they're working on it's nicer to see that 10 minutes in my opinion be used for you know in-depth conversation about you know this yeah. is how healing is going to work this is how the game is going to work rather than you know you're going to walk past this plant in your homestead and yay yeah he <laughs> so and he was i prefer he, that yeah yeah and he was super in-depth with it too and i i love it when they bring him on and i think they realize this because he he makes sure if he makes any like offshoot references to kind of clarify it uh, a bit more because he knows how the community will will jump to conclusions. So he makes sure he's like, hey, that was just a reference. This is actually what I really meant. Um, and he explains it really, really well because I think he understands what we're trying uh, what what we're trying to understand about the project. He knows we're, we're not in the back burner. Um, I guess we should probably talk about the Sandy and Chris video because a lot of people 
loved it and a lot of people hated it. Uh, so I guess we can kind of was, discuss that. I think the, the general sentiment from my perspective uh, is uh -huh. that people, I think it was positive. It's never a yeah. bad thing. It was kind of yeah. a bonus video. So it wasn't like it took the place of calling all devs or it took the place yeah. of Star Citizen Live or, or inside Star Citizen. It was, it was mm -hmm. a bonus video that we didn't really know was coming. Um, and then when it got here, it was like, oh, cool. You know, we get to see, yeah. you know, the, the brainchild of the whole project, <laughs> as it were, um, Chris Roberts, really do a deep dive into something with the game. So he started talking a lot about in-depth stuff. Um, mm -hmm. He told us about how his daughter uh, said that Star Citizen sucked, <laughs> which was pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was I'm going to drop a link yeah. in your chat to that video if you guys want to take a look. There it is, um, guys. There's that. Yeah, I thought it was a good video. Um, I, it didn't feel like it was replacing anything, and I think a lot of people thought that that's what was happening. People that are maybe don't pay as close attention as you and I or some of the more, I don't want to say hardcore crowd, but it, it didn't seem like it was replacing anything. Uh, I know uh, one of the shows is on a bit of a hiatus. It did. It definitely felt like a little bonus video, and it was cool to see them both kind of in the same room again, you know, talking about Star Citizen. It was more of a more of their personal views because it is his brainchild. Um, so it's interesting to get something that's a bit more unfiltered. Uh, and I can, I could tell, and I kind of told you this last night, any, anytime he said anything that maybe referred to like gameplay or some type of time date, you can just see Sandy kind of just would look over and like eyeball him like, you better not say anything. Don't be giving them any, <laughs> yeah, any, any kind of times. <laughs> yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, and like I said, we're going to be talking about the Calling All Devs um, a little bit more in depth, guys, when we bring our guests on here and, and uh, get them introduced. Uh, we have the latest ISC, uh, including the new media features uh, featuring the Landing Zone Orson, um, which I think is still in Evocati at the moment, and the impending Alpha Patch 314 and all of the features therein. Uh, one of the things that I did see really quick... Uh, that I, it, it just doesn't escape my mind are those manufacturer-specific HUDs, which I think we've talked about uh, a few mm -hmm. times. Yep. Especially the Drake yeah. one, man. I love that. I think the Sliced HUD is a really good idea. Um, the Sliced HUD was one of the first times where I made a realization that, um, you know, when they've done HUD reworks or when they've done um, different, you know, different, just different things with different mechanics, you kind of go like, okay, it's better, but I really don't think that that's what we're going to see in Star Citizen 1.0. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and now I really start to see this shift in CIG's development where we are starting to see the game mechanics and the visuals, like the HUD, like the scanning, like the targeting, like the missile operator mode, like the multi-crew gameplay, um, that we're going to see when Star Citizen launches. And that's really exciting. I really think that we're starting to see that stuff. It feels workable. It feels smooth. I mean, the servers, you know, are the servers, but, you know, the UI mm -hmm. itself feels like it's giving you all the information. It looks professional. It looks, you know, clean, but it's also giving you all the information that you need. Things like the compass bearings and stuff like that that are universal all the time. That's really good core tech that we could see in a released, finished game and use that forever, you know? So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And... Um, of course, we got to see Pedro, and he kind of explained the Crusader theme. Uh, we got to hear like one or two little snippets from a couple of the the from the soundtrack that's going to be used for there. And it and it, I think he mentioned it was a very somber, almost melancholy note. 
as you're amongst the clouds, and it's like almost awe-inspiring at the same time. So I'm sure I have a link here. I'll pull that up in a bit. But I really did. I really do enjoy his music. I feel like uh, while I have my favorites, none of them fall flat. It feels like he envisions Star Citizen in a in a musical sense, which is exactly you know what he was brought on to do. Uh, it's obviously it's obvious he's a fan because he he hits it right on the head every single time. Absolutely. And then we have the notable changes uh, for the roadmap. So I think before uh, we start getting into the meat, um, perhaps we can introduce our guests or rather let them introduce themselves. Um, and then we can jump right into probably the notable changes. Or do you want to do notable changes first uh, on the roadmap and then bring them in? What would probably uh, be better? I think we could hit the roadmap real quick. Spend okay. five, you know, five or eight minutes on it. Um, yeah. And uh, do you have a, do you have the link pulled up by chance? I, I do. I'll... Roundup. Okay. Yeah, I have the I have the roadmap around a bit as well, right here. Um, with the progress tracker, uh, I could probably grab a quick link as well. But it says notable changes for June thirtieth, twenty twenty one. With the progress tracker, we have the rest stop hangar replacement. Um, the atmospheric pressure damage, spacescaping refinery ships, uh, which I thought was super interesting, and ruin station environmental gameplay, and then through the release view, which uh, when we switch over here, I'll grab a, a link and post it in chat. Uh, it talks about the Planet Crusader, the Orison Landing Zone, thanks, Zero, and the Planetary Volumetric Clouds, which, can I just say those look spectacular? I think they, they really did a, do. They did a really good job. Mm-hmm. You want to take it away? I'm going to, I'm going to grab that link really quick. Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the big things that I noticed in the roadmap roundup uh, mm-hmm. is that they, they actually, I mean, it, it's just a small thing, but it, it's a big thing because of how important it is to the game's playable state um, right. is uh, the ship interior and exterior culling. So basically the idea is that when you're in a ship and you're in a room in the ship, the exterior of the ship, what's around you doesn't need to be heavily rendered. It, does, it doesn't need to be rendered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're outside the ship, the interior of the ship, some of which like the Mercury Star Runner, um, the any Crusader ship for that matter, the 890 Jump, they're all very complex interiors. It's a lot to render. And so when you don't need to see it, the game doesn't have to render it. And that's optimization. So as we start to see these optimization patches, that's another good indicator that CIG is really starting to build the game they want to release, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, because why, why add these things if you're going to be changing the tech that's underneath them? So it's nice to see that. Um, but uh, yeah, and then and they uh, renamed that ship interior OC streaming, uh, they, and it's been given a more accurate description. So it's nice to see them continue to work on that. That there's that there's a lot going. So, and then they they have the rest stop hangar replacements, creating the exterior pieces, the atmospheric. Uh, Pressure damage um, is the damage players and NBCs or ships will receive in situations where the exterior pressure exceeds the pressure resistance of the corresponding ship, armor, and suit. I know that's a lot to swallow um, in a sentence there, friends. Um, And then we have spacecaping, utilizing the gas cloud tech. The VDB elements will be crafted to spacecape the environment of Squadron 42. Uh, And and I'm making a mental note for Squadron 42 from the Sandy and Chris video. And that's something else I read online and that we can kind of... You know, uh, talk a little shit later about that. And then we have the <laughs> we have the refinery ships, and it says certain ships will have refineries built into them, obviously, allowing players to process or using a com- uh, completely onboard process, which I know um, excites a lot of you in oh, chat, sure. as many 
many of the people who watch yours and I stream um, are miners, miners and, yep. and industrial types looking to make credits out there in a wild, a wild universe. And then, of course, we have yep. Ruin Station. And feel free to chime in anytime here. I know I'm, I'm kind of going on. Uh, it says more wanna, time. Yep. I want to mention one thing about the refinery ships. I can almost guarantee you guys. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna make an almost guarantee right now. <laughs> the refinery ship gameplay is going to be that that tech that they build for refinery is going yep. to be used for salvage ships so the re the reclaimer is going to have a refinery process for ship parts that it turns into scrap if that makes sense um right i've been told that my camera is a little off kilter by len but he's a perfectionist yeah i see it there Good, good uh, point out. Uh, <laughs> just you, quick on that, when I replace the scenes, guys, because uh, and I'm sure this may annoy Zero is that when I'm not streaming, I'm constantly like working on elements for the podcast or my own stream, and I I'm always. Not that, I'm not convinced that Sonoda sleeps. I, 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 I think he's a <laughs> lizard. I think he's an amphibian, and he doesn't sleep. Yeah, I, I'm always updating things, but I always forget to. Um, it's tied into OBS directly, so I don't have to tinker with it. And I always forget that it automatically updates it. So thank you for pointing that out. Because if I, I'll download the VOD later to upload it to Spotify, and it, it probably would have pissed me off. So thanks. Okay, okay, that'll have to do. Uh, oh wait, there we go. Your little course on the bottom, but I'll fix it here in a second. What's up, mildly amusing? Can can I mute him? I'm only mentioning yeah. mildly. I I. I Simply because I know him and Zero got this little lover's spat going on right now. Okay. I don't know if that's what it is. <laughs> and then we have the environmental gameplay. It says the uh, uh, EUPU gameplay feature team is allocating resources in uh, quarter four to refinery ships. So we're uh, removing this deliverable temporarily until it has been put back onto the schedule. And then through the release view, it says these deliverables have passed their final review. Therefore, we have toggled their cards to committed and changed their color to blue. How fancy. And that would uh, be... Anything that changes its color to blue is a good thing. I heard blue is good and red is bad. And in any case, Typically. we have the Planet Crusader, Orison, Landing Zone, and Planetary Volumetric Clouds version 1. Uh, with the ship interior and exterior culling and zero maybe you want to explain this one more time because i have a feeling like that's just going to go over people's heads including myself yeah so um basically if you're in a, if you're inside a ship and you're surrounded by walls and there's something outside your ship that normally would be rendered if you were outside the ship or if the ship wasn't there mm -hmm. um it won't be rendered either in the same way or as in depth or maybe at all to your client um so basically what that is is it's streaming data basically in and out um based upon where the game understands that your character is and what your character can see um so when you go outside of a ship and you can't see the interior of the ship there's no reason for your game to stream in all of those assets and render them if that makes sense um right. and so why waste all of that not just the not just your game's performance and your client's performance but why waste the effort of the server to be streaming that stuff in and out if it doesn't need to, you know, as you get closer to it. Um, right now we kind of have this, wherever your character is, everything around you gets streamed in and out as you move through the game space. Um, but if you're outside of a station and you can't see the interior of the station, the both the servers and your client need to make that decision together. Um, what can I see and what does the server need to stream to me 
to be able to see what is the information that I need to get from the server. So that's really important tech from a optimization standpoint. And that tech actually could really help with things like stability and server stability and you know server responsiveness and things too. So if that's mm -hmm. if that's done well, and I'm assuming it will be, um, because it seems like when they finish something, it's done well. <laughs> um, that, uh, that 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 will help uh, performance an awful lot. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and I think just hearkening back to that, I think in the Sandy and Chris video, I think he he spoke on that a bit. You know, you you have all these star systems, and then you have the planets and all the areas therein. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was talking about you know what do you do when one person enters this one area where nobody else is? The you know the game has then has to populate thousands upon thousands of entities for that one person. And then what happens if you leave? I think the example he gave was like a can in a forest. You know, if you come back a week later yeah. after nobody's been there, the can's still there. There, so it's a there's a there's a lot more uh, moving objects going on, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, being and able to save on resource. It, it's complicated, but it's logical, and that's the important thing about object object container streaming. So it's very complicated. It's just a giant network of things, but if you go down to the micro of it, it's you know it's very logical. It's uh, you have a bullet that's inside a magazine, or you know that's inside a gun. That gun is on your hip. These are all object containers nested within each other. You, your character is inside a ship, inside inside a cargo bay, inside a ship, which is inside uh, a hangar, which is inside a station, which is inside the system, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's essentially, when we look at object containers, the game is just a gigantic layer of object containers. And as we, you know, as the game understands which object object container it needs to stream in, and how it needs to stream that in and where we are within that object container layer space, you know, that's where we we get those optimization increases as the game figures that out and is smarter with that. So Right. And just yeah. just for anyone who wasn't uh on board with that. I, I had him exp he explained it the first time, but I wanted to hear it again, uh, simply because I it could be a little dicey because some people and I'm sure Zero you get asked this quite a bit about uh, mm -hmm. the stream container, especially when it comes to server meshing and what they plan to do with every everything like that therein. Uh, okay, so I think that's the the roadmap pretty much at a glance. Uh, we tried to chip at it a bit, and I know Zero has gone over this on his stream, uh, and I have on mine. I think it's time to bring on our wonderful guest, our first guest. It feels so special. It's such a special occasion. It's our first, it is, it really is. right? It feels really good. I think we've made a lot of progress with the podcast. Um, and we're only three episodes in, mind you, but it feels so good. And I, I couldn't think of anyone better to bring on as our first guest. I feel extremely honored. I'm going to go ahead and unmute them, guys. I'm going to let Zero introduce them. Um, and then we'll pick their brains for a little bit here. Let me go ahead and grab them. Okay, you should be good. Go go ahead and take it away, Zero. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. Um, this is yeah, uh, Star go. Jump Ender and Star Jump Grim. And How's everyone doing? Are the masterminds, <laughs> as I like to call them, the evil masterminds behind yeah. uh, those lovely Star Jump videos. I'm going to link your guys' YouTube channel because I didn't uh, prepare apparently. Yeah, oh, I appreciate uh, you having us on. Yeah. Welcome. Absolutely. Come on in. Why don't you guys, so you guys uh, go want ahead? To. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go I was going to tell, tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, maybe um, background, uh, how you guys got to know one another, maybe, and uh, and how you got to be start making those beautiful uh, bean footage videos. Ender, do you want to tell the origin story of how we got oh. together in gaming? Or you guys have an origin oh, yeah. story? Oh man, oh, I'm excited. Yeah, we <laughs> need what to hear the it. hell? 
So this is a 20-year-old story, guys. That's how oh. long Grim and I have known each other. Um, Grim and I met playing a uh, old Xbox game, the original Xbox, uh, Ghost Recon 2 Summit Strike. Uh, I was trying to do, I don't know, government district? I thought, oh my god, it's government yeah. district. Uh, and everybody I played with was just terrible. They're running in, getting killed, dying constantly. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, just stick together. Let's move together. Let's communicate. And this one dude comes in and communicates, and everybody else dies. And we spend the next, what, 30 minutes running through tactically. We got killed, but we, uh, we, we spent the next 30 minutes just... Yeah. Apparently, that's, the shit that's all it. it took for a friendship. Yeah. And that, <laughs> no, that's wow. good, that was, was a good dark. Xbox Live ex experience, so it didn't, didn't require much. <laughs> wow. And uh, we, we've been playing all the games ever since. We've played a lot of games since then. Yeah, and, and done a lot of uh, like content, content creation, creation for yeah. those different games throughout. Um, but yeah, no, no, met through gaming. We um, have known each other for probably 20 years. I think we've only met in yep. person once, yep. maybe. Once. Yeah, but once. And, um, but I probably, we probably talk to each other more than we talk to even some family. You know, we're always like, you know, no matter what game we're playing or something, that's kind of, we're kind of our go to people to, you know, every Friday night, Saturday night, whatever you you click on you start the voice chat and, and you're you know that's it so that's that's kind of been the pattern for 20 years and, and i don't think there's been many breaks from that um so that's awesome. yeah I, mean, I can give you my background a little bit um first i i come from uh, so i'm grim obviously i come from the uh tv uh film film kind of industry and that's uh, you know I've, that's where i got my you know, 3d chops and animation chops i've been doing that for 20 years i did most of that in New York, uh, New York City, and then um, left there about four years ago and moved out here to Ohio. Uh, um, which, by the way, the Ohio Bar Citizen event end of the end of July, I'll be there. I'll I'm be wearing nice. a star jump shirt, so May if you're there, well, be there as well. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So I've worked in uh, feature films, independent films, television, um, and when I can, um, obviously with the cinematics, but when I can with any game i try to take those skills i do have the games we're playing and it can take many forms i mean we've we've done podcasts before we've done video content we've run mm -hmm. you know orgs and guilds and clans and anything and everything between so um yeah try to take my professional stuff and apply it nice. to the things i love well, that's good so. to uh good to hear from you guys um it's been you know i think the community got these inklings uh you know where uh, the drake video as we all call it for the most part um and you know we see that and we're like wow that's amazing you know that kind of stuff kind of puts mm -hmm. it puts it on the map of our, of our minds you know of this uh of this youtube channel that's out there and these people that make these videos um and it's been really interesting to get to know you guys a little, little bit and uh kind of see a little bit behind the curtain and see that friendship and 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 uh, watch you guys kind of continue your path, you know, into the Star Citizen community and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, that's been pretty cool. Yeah, Very I nice. mean, I, I I would say that um, while some of the things we do are, can be independent, like the cinematics are, 
for the most part, something I, I deal with. We have a lot of Star Jump content that is coming that is both of us, and then there's going to be stuff that's all under. You know, it'll, it'll kind of it'll be different depending on the content, um, how much of a collaborative thing it is, or how much it is individual. But regardless, I don't think we would do any of it if we weren't yeah. both involved. That's just generally yeah. how we approach these things. I mean, even even when I was started the Drake cinematic last year and and the Aegis cinematic this year and stuff. While I was doing that, Ender was kind of building our discords and building mm -hmm. our communities and getting all that stuff in order and dealing with questions, helping with the end guys. So there's all that back end stuff to where like if I'm dealing with a creative thing, he's dealing with that stuff. But then yeah. there may be another project where we're both on the creative yep. end or, you know, it, it, it's each project is kind of unique. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something that I've noticed, even with this podcast, for instance, is, um, you know, without without all of Sonoda's expertise to make this look as good as it does and everything, um, I, I don't think I would be able to do it all. You know, I, I don't think yeah. I would. I mean, or if I did, it would look terrible. Oh, and, he's being you know, modest and be a lot worse off. Um, it's so. amazing how all the little tasks for for things can build up, not only yeah. just recording a show or, or making a little animation or whatever it is but the promotion of it the you know the, the art that you have to create to promote it the back end work that you have to do it, it takes more than one person if it was one person it would be a full time job <laughs> and I already have one of those absolutely, <laughs> Fair absolutely. Enough. absolutely. for sure um, so what well, you guys talked about um, gaming together and uh, that actually sparks for me there was a a quick story I have from years and years ago. Um, there's a friend of mine and who lives in California, and uh, it's not Sonoda, but he is a friend of mine. Um, and uh, I met him playing World of Warcraft way back in the day, and uh, we played together for a long time. Um, and uh, eventually, he was like, "Hey, you want to like come to my wedding? I'm getting married." And uh, I ended up uh, being in the wedding because one of his groomsmen uh, had to dip out and his uh, wife-to-be was was very, very uh, adamant that there needed to be the same amount of groomsmen and bridesmaids. And uh, so I ended up being in the wedding, which was crazy. Uh, so I, he, he flew me out to California, uh, to San Diego, and Oceanside was where they had the wedding. Uh, and it was, it was crazy. So it's, it's interesting how it used to be so taboo to meet people online yeah. and become best friends and, you know, and, and have those, you know, uh, yeah. those moments together. And it's so much better. I think, uh, nowadays people don't have that same stigma around it, you know, um, yeah. where you can meet somebody and become friends with them and, you know, be lifelong friends with those people. So pretty cool yeah, stuff. And, and yet if my kid meets anybody online, I'm like, stay away. They're, they're all lunatics. But yeah. he, he, my son has thrown back at me. Well, you know, Uncle Grim is is Uncle Grim. I'm like, uh, it's like, what if I meet yeah, my own well, Uncle Grim? Like, that's different because you know, Grim is is my kid's godfather. Right. So it's like, that's amazing. I can't. I can't. Uh, I, I I don't have an argument for this kid. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things to teach yeah. caution, but you know, at the same time, like you know, it, kids kids are smart. They learn a lot of stuff. So at yeah. the same time, it's like, hey, you know, just make sure you understand what this relationship is, you know, and it yeah. can move forward and and be a, a real friendship and exactly. you know, understanding what uh, you know if somebody is leeching off another person or 
you know, or being unhealthy for another person and teaching kids that I think is really important. But um, so that's really cool to hear you guys' backstory and uh, lifelong friendships are made every day, it seems like, online. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. um, so, yeah. Noda, you were having some maybe audio issues for a minute there. Are things any better? So just to kind of, so just to, to let everyone know, so we're pulling through, I, I much like Zero, we have a workhorse computer that we stream to and that handles pretty much all the CPU load and then we game directly on another one and that's captured through a capture card or uh, something internal, external. Uh, so with the podcast here, um, it's, it's the same thing. What you guys are seeing on screen is the gamer and what you're seeing with us and, and the cameras, uh, that's pulling all the CPU. So using OBS Ninja, it automatically is disabling a lot of things. It doesn't work well with the live desktop variant. And we also have to pull audio through Discord. So if you're hearing any crackling, it'll be temporary. Uh, when it does happen, don't expect it to cut out unless for whatever reason the power goes off or something like that, which I... Uh, but that's the crackling issue that you're hearing. I just have to refresh their uh, browser sources, mm. um, and then it, it goes away. I don't okay. know why, but it just it eats a lot of memory. So I thank you guys for understanding that, keeping us posted uh, in chat. If it does happen, don't worry. We're fully aware of it, and we'll try to tackle it as it comes along. Okay, actually, so heard, uh, 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 one quick thing. I actually noticed I just on my – I'm running OBS Ninja as well uh, with all four of our cameras up too, um, and – I noticed too that it's using like 40% of my CPU just to do that on my streaming PC, which is doing nothing else uh, at the moment. Mm. So it's, it's, wow. it's pretty heavy uh, when you get a few people in. <laughs> so I, I can see why maybe it's doing that to you. Yeah. And I broadcasting it. So it, it's literally telling me, Hey dude, your CPU is overloading melt. So just melt, let yeah. you guys know uh, what's happening. Yeah. Right on, right on. So we heard the origin story. Um, did we? I don't think we got Ender's uh, backstory here. Oh, I'm from you, sir. I, I I'm just a guy that uh, really enjoys <laughs> making content. I, I write. Uh, I learned to edit videos because of how much work Grim was putting into things. Um, he helped me learn uh, editing mm. videos. So I, I I do the editing. I do the writing. Uh, I do not have cinematic experience. So all of the stuff that you guys are seeing in the Age of Cinematic and in the Drake uh, Cinematic, that's all the brainchild of uh, Grimm's amazing artistry. So, uh, But I write and I, I do a little bit of directing and I, uh, I do the editing for the upcoming stuff that we have uh, in yep. the future. Right on. Mm -hmm. all uh, yeah, I, I think me and you are... We're in the same boat. I'll, I, a lot of it has been like I'll I'll come across you know uh, an obstacle when I'm making something, and you kind of have to learn the skill on the fly, and then you just yeah. add it to your toolbox. And I don't have any. I'm the same way. I don't have any kind of formal training. It's things that I enjoyed with Star Citizen and other games, and I kind of just moved along as well. So I totally understand what you're saying. They're uh, saying they're doing the writing and the. Um, you know, uh, in editor animation, uh, it's a spectacular job. I put it up here on the screen so everyone can see it just because it's Drake and I love Drake. So they get to feast their eyes. <laughs> my favorite parts when the, the Corsair rolls around. It's my dream ship, man. I'm working uh, on a 4K remaster on that in the background very slowly. I don't know when that will be done, but oh, yeah, I mean, shit. that sharing of responsibilities, though, even just 
uh, you know, spills over into just completely random things. Like we, for, I would say probably seven years or so, we were really intensely involved in the Arma 3 community, not only from a Milsim clan standpoint, but we had a podcast and we're content creators and, you know, we had the developers on our show a lot and we were really busy with all that. And, and, um, mm-hmm. there were times where we were so busy, you know, and I was also creating missions and stuff and we had, and we had all these people that would play them. There were times where I would just, I would tell Ender, I'd be like, you need to go gather everybody, get them in order, deal with them, because I'm so busy prepping something, I can't even <laughs> talk to them. So, again, it's 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 really like, um, you know, on certain situations, he's my right hand, and then vice versa on other situations, I, I help him out. And, you know, the knowledge is, you know, split, you know, in just different areas. You know, for example, just today, you know, Ender was helping me get, you know, um, commands and giveaway things set up and you know stream elements that i have no idea how to do so again you just you kind of it's relying on someone else to kind of pick up the slack for for different parts you're deficient in but you know two's better than one sort of thing true that always absolutely yeah. taking off uh the the teamwork teamwork makes teamwork yeah. they say yeah. and um Look at, look at that. Look at that bucket here. For anyone who's listening on Spotify and you're not here during the live show, we are watching uh, the Drake Interplanetary Cinematic uh, that Star Jump produced. Um, was that Jax? I never noticed that before. Is he on the little billboard there? The hell? Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, he was. One, the one thing I noticed in some of these videos is you'll actually catch a lot of little Easter eggs. Uh, so for those of you yeah. who are fans of these videos, yeah, you you've, you've probably missed some Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this yeah, is the ages one, though. Yeah, the Aegis one specifically has a ton of them in it, but the Drake is there's a few in there if you if you really pay attention mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. If you back yeah. it up, the um mm-hmm. the Cutlass Black has a, a new option that Grim has introduced. It pulls a large crate off of the hole, uh, and then that crate disappears. In the next Completely shot. Yeah. In the next shot. Well, it's cloaking, so, cloaking <laughs> tech, I think. Is... has introduced a whole that's, new that's thing. That's just called this. bad continuity. But yeah. I, I <laughs> drag him on that every time I get a chance. Yeah. I'm like, Grim, uh, uh, can we make that disappear for the next one? You got to go one <laughs> shot it's there and one shot it's not. Yeah. I love the patrol Nautiluses. I thought that mm-hmm. was a, a, really cool, yeah. a really cool touch there. Maybe we'll see some type of... Uh, little variant in Star Citizen. I I just thought it was cool because you yeah. you would think it's a they're large ships, and so you wouldn't think oh you got some Nautiluses patrolling trying to scope out a Herald or something. I I just thought that was very clever, and yeah. I love positively loved what you did with the caterpillar and the little uh, module clipping on to the actual ship. It was mm-hmm. so cool to see that because we don't have that in game. So seeing yeah. that visualized was yeah. was pretty awesome. Very very well, cool. That's- that's one of the primary reasons I did the cinematics at all. And obviously it started with the Drake one. Um, the backstory there on even, you know, why I do them at all is that, um, was it last year during Invictus, I ended up snagging a Kraken and I never intended to do that, mm. but some things worked out. I was able to snag one and you know, you're, you have that high for about 30 minutes where you're like, Oh wow. I just snagged this amazing <laughs> ship. And then you start to go, oh, wait a minute, I'm not going to see this ship for years, um, like so many uh, other ships out there. So I was like, well, 
how how do I kind of enjoy the Kraken without actually having the Kraken? So I was like, oh, I'll do concept art with it, and that turned into cinematic. But the idea is the same with things like the Caterpillar command module and you know other things, the whole series here, um, the tractor beams on the Cutlass. I tried to do something for every ship where I either showed a ship that's not out so someone could kind of enjoy it by just seeing it in motion because they're used to seeing it in concept art only. Or if it was a release ship, Mm -hmm. I tried to do something with it that kind of gave you a bit of its future fantasy, for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? So the Cutlass Black is supposed to be that ship in the future that's got the tractor beams that you're going to be able to yoink boxes off of, you know, whole ships as they're flying by. So I tried to do that. Um, The Herald, you know, it's supposed to be able to flip those scanners out and scan an area and take that data back somewhere so that was the kind of the whole idea was giving the people that own these ships a little bit of that fantasy that they just don't have yet so yeah right on i I thought you did an excellent job uh, especially with things that we just you know mean enough of visualizing what just isn't there i thought i thought you did a you guys you both did an excellent job in in coming up with that honestly Yeah. yeah and and all, okay. You know, almost all the ships have some degree of functionality that's not in game, even if it's a released ship. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, whether it's the reclaimer and its claws and arms and all that, or anything else. I mean, each ship each ship has that. So it's right now it's great because I can kind of I can feed off of that for these cinematics. You know, as the game gets farther along, that stuff will be less impressive. But I do get a lot of messages from people that say, "Hey, I." I really enjoyed seeing my polaris or my whatever in here doing its thing and i think that's kind of interesting that the ships have that sort of effect on people where they feel like it's theirs yeah you know what i mean which is again that's part of the reason why i do it no for sure i think um so uh, two things to mention i think that's really amazing and i think that there's so many like little things in those videos that you watch it a couple times you notice it like the second time you you watch like uh mm. one of the things right away that i noticed was you know the idris in the aegis i don't want to not too many spoilers but um the idris shot in the aegis uh video um with the uh with the railgun and what happens right afterwards uh with another um fish related ship <laughs> that was that was my my fault. I requested oh. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was, was it was such a perfect <laughs> rendition and a, such a perfect, like, there's so many people that like, they, uh, they resonated with that because they saw the previous star citizen content that was kind of the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, Oh, my poor, you know, and, uh, to see it go the other way was this, it put goosebumps on, on my, on my arms to see it go the opposite way. It was such a cool moment. So, Things like that are really cool. The one thing that's the most, probably the divisive part of any of your videos might be the articulating thrusters on the Cutlass. I've heard so many people be like, the Cutlass thrusters don't do that. And I was like, yeah, but it looked cool. So (laughs) shut up. Yeah. 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 And and the original plan was that they would, you know, Um, same thing with the freelancer. They're supposed to, you know, we're originally, we're going to have rotating nacelles. Um, And what I tell people with that um, is that the cinematic, and I'm usually pretty clear about this, the cinematics are not supposed to show us what this will be like in game. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. supposed to be the concept art in motion. It's, I, first off, it's I love CIG's, 
yeah, yeah it's it's the imagining it's the fantasy of it for example i love cig's concept art whenever there's a video of paul jones in it uh from their concept team i watch it he's so soft-spoken but i that would be my dream job which is his <laughs> job which is art directing the design of these ships and um i i i love that concept stuff that you know will be there and you know in from an illustrated standpoint is there but when it eventually trans you know gets into the game the functionality is sometimes redundant or not needed or you know too expensive on the engine or whatever so that gets paired back but the concept arts just got such cool fantasy attached to it you know what i mean for example i you know, like one thing i would point pick out with that would be like something like the genesis starliner there's a piece of concept art of it where it's like on the tarmac of a landing zone and there's like the push ladder the push staircase that you would see on an airline up to it as people are getting out of their limos and going up to the starliner that will probably never be like that in game you'll be landing at hangars and doing that but i love the fantasy of the starliner out on the tarmac with the people getting out of their limos and walking up the stairs you know so that's what these are supposed to do is kind of yeah. tap into that fantasy side mm -hmm. of it yeah for sure um yeah. Yeah, it's it's so cool to see those kind of imaginings, you know, as it as it goes through each video to kind of see the different little things like with the Herald that you talked about or the Cutlass being kind of this pirate vessel and different things like yeah. that. It's, it's very cool to see that like imagined, a little bit imagined, but also at the same time, like you said, like g like taking what the ship is supposed to do and creating that uh, in, in a video space. I'm actually kind of curious if... Like I, there's a little part of me that hopes we see CIG um, create something from for a ship where they saw one of your videos and they were like, "Oh yeah, that's how we should do that," and then they do it that way. That'd be so cool. I think that'd be the penultimate like, you know, we directed something in Star Citizen, like how a ship works, like with the Herald with the little flip out things and yeah. how that scanning mode works and stuff. Um, that, that'd be that really would cool. Be awesome. And and I will say that on a lot of that functionality, I do look at cig documents and stuff uh, and stuff they put out years ago like for example the claw on the reclaimer it's actuating claw on the arms there's a sketch from cig and it's actually a sketch it looks like a pencil sketch from years ago i mean this thing is probably six years old that shows how the claw will work and i use that sketch to animate it mm. um so i try to do that where possible you know the 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 command module for the caterpillar why we haven't heard about that functionality in years the idea is that it's supposed to do that eventually you know that's sort of how they said it was going to work um so that could always change i always tell people don't buy a ship based off functionality you see in the, in the cinematic but i will say i do try to yeah. give the ships functionality that at one point was stated that it will do <laughs> you know i hope it continues to do that but yeah. um you know, definitely don't buy a ship off functionality you see in the cinematic. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. How long does it take to produce a single video? <laughs> uh -oh. Well, so the Drake one um, was 1080p, which makes a huge difference, and it was about four minutes long or so, I think. Um, to give you an idea, though, to render anything in three in 3D, um, and let's say um, it takes just for for conversation purpose, let's say it takes an hour to render 1080p. To render in 4K can be anywhere from four to eight times longer, 
and be almost quadruple expense, like the cost of rendering. So for the Drake spot, because it was 1080p and it was, um, uh, you know, faster to render because it was, um, you know, 1080p and it was only four minutes long, that took about, I would say, two months. And it was probably almost every single night except for the weekends. So pretty much every single night wow. during the week uh, for about four hours for two months straight. Wow. Um, wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah. And because the ships, and because it was 1080p, some of the ships do not have the fidelity that they would require if it was 4K. A good ship to look at would be like the Herald. If you really look at it, it looks a little simple. If I for a 4K remaster, that ship's gonna have to be bumped up, and it's like you know greebling and some of its detailing. But for the Aegis cinematic, it's almost nine. It's nine minutes long at 4K. That was probably about four months every single night for four hours, and sometimes the weekends as well. So wow. it was not an easy thing. I probably would never do one again that is nine minutes long. I would probably keep them to about four minutes. I think nine minutes is just too long for people's attention span. Mm. But um, also, Aegis has the biggest fleet, so to show every ship in the Aegis fleet just start, started being yeah. like, Okay. Okay. What? How, what's? Oh man, I forgot the Avengers. I need. To, oh, I forgot the Sabers. You know, and you don't want to leave a ship out. So it took a while. And then the other thing with the cinematics is I try to show a lot of non-hero manufacturer ships. So with the Aegis, you know, with Aegis being the hero manufacturer, I wanted to show a lot of other ships um, to get those people excited as well. Uh, but then you run into issues like the biggest one with the Aegis cinematic was the Endeavor. The Endeavor doesn't exist anywhere for me to take the model and do my thing to it, right? So I have yeah. to texture all the models. They come to me untextured. But the Endeavor did, didn't even have anything to it. It was literally the superstructure. And the superstructure is an absolute mess, like the polygons and the it's it's such a kit bashed mess, it's not even appropriate for a cinematic. But none of the modules are ready for it. So that ship alone took like three weeks to build texture, implement. I had to get another modeler on it to help me model it. Um so that was actually kind of a large project in and of itself. Yeah. Um things like the jump gates that are in the Aegis cinematic, you know, that doesn't exist as a file. It doesn't exist as like a hollow model you can pull from somewhere. So that had to be modeled using imagery from CIG. Um the cool thing about that though is I did have a CIG artist who was involved in the jump gates that we're gonna get in game message me. Um privately and say hey i really liked your jump gates they were they're really close to what we're going to be doing in game with jump gates ah, cool um, cool so and you know and it's a simplification of actually what's going to be in the game the games are even more detailed but he was like no i think you you really nailed it <laughs> so that was kind of a that was a pretty cool oh, wow. email to receive that's so, yeah that makes you smile right feel it, good. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's pretty cool um i would do want to note if you guys want to see really if you guys out there want to see some of the creative process, um, you can go to Star Jump's YouTube channel. And there are a lot of archived videos. One of the first things I noticed when I looked at your guys' videos um, is that there's a lot of like making of, the making of scene one, uh, Aegis mm -hmm. Dynamics Materials Test Part One. Uh, these are all like, you know, two, some of them are 45 minutes. There's a couple one minute, three minute. Um, and that'd be kind of a nice little deep dive if you guys are interested. Um, like, 
for instance, uh, Kraken Scene Test 1, where it's just kind of a gray a gray background with just the Kraken to see. So, so if you guys want to see yeah. that, like, making of, um, you can check that out. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I tr it's fun to kind of document the process. I've even done a, f a few Twitch um, streams showing the, some behind mm -hmm. the scenes. Um, the tricky thing with it is that you know, I'll get a lot of messages saying, hey, what software do you use, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the crazy thing, though, is it's not really one way of doing it. Each each ship, honestly, I have to approach completely differently because the source model that I'm, I'm using can come from different places. Sometimes, Most of the time, it's a hollow model, um, which requires a mm -hmm. ton of work to get cinematic ready because they're really just gray models that lack any decals. They lack texturing. Models they lack, lack lighting. Decals. Uh, but then sometimes I'm using models that are from better sources that are much more detailed. Um, and I, I definitely can't, you know, take all the credit. There's um, a community member named VMXEO uh, from the Read Org who has developed scripts that are able to process and convert the models into usable formats. So without him, the cinematics would not be anything what they are. Mm -hmm. So again, there's there's other people out there that do help with some of that work. And I, I would, you know, definitely want to call them out for that. The biggest one probably being VMXEO, yeah. his, his mm -hmm. model conversion scripts right. and assistance. Um, he gives me really help just in the, in the day to day taking and prepping models, because that's what all those material test videos are that, you know, before I even start a project, I have to get all the ships built and ready to be animated. Um, because I use cinema 4d, which is, not compatible <laughs> with the ship models we use in game hmm. or that are actually in game. Um, they have to be pulled, converted, uh, processed. There's a whole pipeline process that kind of happens there. So, right on. yeah, there were, there were times that I was worried about Grimm's health. Uh, yeah. He pushed hard uh, because he had said, you know, IE 2951, we're going to get this out. 2950, 2950. Mm. Anyway. In yeah, fixed week. 51. Uh, yep. and and he pushed hard and i was worried about his health because he was working a lot and okay. the biggest problem there was setting the date as invictus the yeah. aegis date um to get it out so it i did have to cut some corners on a few things but um it's always difficult when you put um you know time constraints on you know yourself yeah for so. sure and um, then, we, of course, he comes in and says, hey, uh, by the way, I put the Scorpius in the day it released. Like, <laughs> well, if there. you guys look, uh, if the yeah. Eagle Eye fans will notice the Talon um, as well that made it in pretty fast, all things considered. So mm -hmm. those things are pretty impressive. And I think I think the community does notice those things. I've had more than more than one person say like oh, some little detail that, you know, mm -hmm. it's like I'm amazed they got that in there and how they do that and that kind of stuff. So. Very yeah. cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Yeah, the Talon, or sorry, the uh, Scorpius was definitely one where, you know, an hour after it was announced, I had the model in my hand. Mm -hmm. I'm texturing it, getting it rigged up. I'm like, all right, we're going to get this in there. Um, and I saw on a Spectrum thread, someone had messaged. They said, oh, 100%, this is done in collaboration with CIG because how would they get the, the Scorpius in there? And again, it's just my pipeline by the time I had done 62 ships for the Aegis Cinematic, the pipeline was so well developed at that point that to get the Scorpius in there was a minor thing. It took almost no time. Um, but yeah, but ships like the Endeavor and the Polaris specifically were the two big headache ships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
uh, for that cinematic, and they weren't even Aegis ships. They're just two ships that I really wanted to get in there that have horrible, horrible hollow models. Right. And there's no model, and there's no, um, there's no real model source to pull from from game files or or the website or anything that have any more detail than the hollow model, the the kind of garbage hollow models do. So those ships required an absolute ton of work to get ready. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we do. What would you say? Um... Oh, go ahead, Sonoda. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go I ahead. was just super curious to know what uh their personal creative process was like what is step one for each of you you know until the final result um because i think people are super curious to know like how you make this i know we're we're, we're kind of jumping and you guys have explained it a little bit here and there but like what is the point a you know to point z to create something like this on this scale mm-hmm. well i mean a lot of times it just starts from me and Ender just having conversations about what if a ship, you know, and we're like, oh, that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. And, you know, whatnot. I, I will say that the visuals from the cinematics usually start from one piece of concept art that I like mm-hmm. that I decide mm-hmm. to do my own version of. So um, in the Drake cinematic, there is a shot. It's kind of a almost an isometric shot of the Kraken kind of coming through some like a misty atmosphere and there's some ships on the deck it's almost exactly like a piece of concept art of the kraken that's called the kraken through the mist that paul jones did now it doesn't have ships on the deck or anything but it's there um, which was my background on my computer forever and it started from that and with the aegis um cinematic there was um you know, it, it was it was kind of born out of singular bit of concept art too. I forget exactly which one it was now, but it was kind of born out of that. Oh yeah, I remember which one it is. It's actually Kraken related, which is weird. There's a Kraken wallpaper. Actually, I think it's for the Nautilus, but there's a not so there's a Nautilus wallpaper that is of the Kraken flying through a Nautilus minefield, and I thought to myself, hey, that would be pretty cool to see that in motion because it's just as a still right right and i said that'd be really cool to see the kraken you know plow through a nautilus minefield and and then it's weird things too like you know hearing that like well for a while there especially when i started on the cinematic space mines were on the progress tracker they're no longer but they were on the progress tracker so in my head i was thinking oh space mines they're they're being developed they're being working on it we'll see those soon so I, I had this idea. It's like, oh, well, how are those going to work? Are they going to magnetically come to your ship? And and then when I start thinking about that, the next thing I know, I'm in 3D and I'm making some stuff move. And then I go, ah, you know what? I might as well make the cinematic. Have, um, you, have, yeah. have you ever seen Galaxy Quest? That scene yes. where they're going through the minefield? That's, that's kind of like what I envision right there. Yeah, that's exactly what I think it's going to be like. Um, so again, and and that's the kind of the functionality I put in there. It's obviously I'm making an assumption, but um, it usually yeah. starts from just something simple like that. Or I'll talk to Ender about something, say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to do. Uh, what what do you think about X, Y, and Z?" And he goes, ah, "That's cool. I'd like to see it." And then next thing I know, I'm building it. Um, yeah. Now, once once the idea is seeded, then the next thing I do is I usually. I'll go into like Google Sheets or something, and I'll just start listing every ship in that manufacturer. So I, I knew I was going to do, do Aegis. So I just listed every ship. And then I start thinking about, well, what scenario could I put that ship in, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I would choose a scenario. And that at least gives me the basics of my scene. And then I have to figure out overall 
I have all these scenes for all these ships. Then I have to do like, well, how do I make a story out of that? Even a loose story, a story that doesn't have a lot of, I'm not going for like a narrative cinematic here. We're going to do that with one of our other projects, but with the Aegis cinematic, if you were to break it down, it's a series of small attacks on fleets and then a bunch of ships coming together at a rally point and then they fly Mm -hmm. to a battle and there's a battle that's you can kind of break it down to that simple narrative and once i figure that out that gives me a good lead in on the type of scenes and stuff i need to create yeah so that's that's kind of how they start they really start on paper um just sort of mapping out a lot of those basic things and then i just sort of wing it i just get in there and start animating and sort of see what comes out of it yeah well and that's the thing yeah. too is it's important to write a narrative, I think, when you're making uh, a video. You, know, you, you want a, a reason why ship A blew ship B up, you know? Yeah. Uh, just seeing an yeah. explosion is something we do every day in Star Citizen for the most part. Yeah. So being yeah. able to tell a little bit of a story through video is is really cool. Um, so, yeah, I know Tosh in the chat said he loves the Crucible. That yeah. was another ship along with the Polaris and Endeavor, actually, I should say, that took a lot of time mm-hmm. because its hollow model is garbage. And it has a ton of functionality and actuated parts and stuff that are just, they're not in game yet. So, you know, I had to do a ton of research. I had to go back to around the verse episodes from like 2016 and would that actually do show them working on Mm. very early white box of the crucible to kind of see how it was going to function and work. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, We do have a couple of questions from chat. I think they're pretty, uh, they'll be pretty quick responses uh, for the most part. So, yeah. Forjo asked uh, a little while ago, he said, have you seen the replay recording system in Space Engineers? Uh, it's another, you know, space game, for those of you who don't know, um, that allows the overlay of in-game assets. And would you like CIG to in- implement something like that in Star Citizen? And then would you use that for cinematics? I mean, the short answer for me would be yes, because I would I would use anything that helps me get to the finish line quicker. True, yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I would say that, you know, my, one of my biggest bottlenecks right now is cost, you know, because I have to render all these scenes. I think the Aegis cinematic to be told is about $3,000 of rendering. Wow. Um, yeah. Which is a, that's a javelin. <laughs> yeah. Break no it kidding. Down like that. But for future yeah. cinematics, probably the RSI cinematic, I'm going to attempt to use unreal engine. So, um, I mean, with Unreal, I'd be able to render in real time, so it would save a lot of those costs. But going back to the the person's question, I would definitely take anything that helps me get to the finish line either quicker or cheaper. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Second question. uh, This is from Monkey. uh, Monkey Monk. He says, do you ever pull any texture files from game files for the render? Or maybe to add to that question, uh, to to reference uh, for your rendering? Um, I, I... don't pull any from the game specifically because they're not compatible with my current pipeline. Right. Um, the scripts required to pull the texture files in an appropriate way and for them to be mapped onto the ships appropriately is still being worked out. That's a little bit above my technical expertise, although I'm, I do know the group that is working on those scripts. Um, I'm kind of in constant contact with them. Um, they're telling me that very soon that we're going to have that functionality, um, including being able very to pull like planetary surfaces and things. Um, I off, I also, 
try to be careful on how much from the game I use because I don't want to step on CIG's toes or do anything that would be perceived as uh, negative to them. So, and I honestly don't mind doing a lot of the work from scratch. That's part of the fun of it. Mm. I can tell you that so far, though, from a texture standpoint, every ship is textured from scratch completely by me, which is why the textures aren't always one-to-one to to how they are in game. But again, I'm okay with that because I'm just trying to get the vibe across. I'm not trying to be star citizen the game. I'm trying to be star citizen the cinematic. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's when they look at, when somebody looks at a ship like an Idris in your, in your, your guys' videos, um, they know it's an Idris. I mean, the, the textures yeah. don't have to be perfect, you know, for it to yeah. be exactly. They know it's a crucible and they go, ah, the crucible or whatever, yeah. you know, and that's what you need. You know, you, do, you don't need it to be like, hey, hey, you know, I there's an extra antenna on the backside right. of the Herald that you, you know, there's somebody that's going to say it, but the vast majority of the community is going to look at it and go, oh, they, they visualize the Herald and it's scary. Oh, I love the Herald, you know, yeah. and that's the kind of it's thing they're the going to. overall, you yeah. know, I had someone reach out and say, hey, um, is the crucible supposed to be like raw metal and yellow as it's like livery? And I was like, I have no clue. I just, <laughs> you know, it's sometimes you just have to do that. Absolutely. You just have to make a guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we're on to kind of one of our, um, as we move through, right, yeah. Sonoda? What do you got, Sonoda? Go ahead. Uh, I just we had a pool of questions and I I didn't think we would get through all of them um, and we still have a, a few more that we're jumping in but how would you guys uh, rate but how do you feel about the current state of Star Citizen? Ender, you want to grab that one first? Yeah, um, I so, it got it, quiet real quick. <laughs> so the the current state, it's, I, it's I'm not trying to put you guys on the spot or anything. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, the current state is is rough, um, but it has so much going on with it that you can kind of enjoy it uh, for a while. Now, it, mm-hmm. it's one of those games that even even Grim and I have to have a backup game every once in a while that we hop into and we we play for you know four or five hours or even a few days, um, but. Uh, the current state of the game is so promising for what's to come in the future. Seeing when I started, and, and there are people who've been playing this way longer than I have, but I started, you know, March of last year. Uh, and it was way rougher than it is now. Uh, the ships were difficult. Uh, 30Ks were rampant. Um and and things were just not as good as they are for me right now. And I know that each uh, individual update, it's going to be different. Like, this one could be terrible for me. And I may end up playing a lot of Scum or, or Sea of Thieves or whatever the next game is going to be for a little, a little while. And then a new update comes in and I can play. But uh, I like the current state of the game. And I love uh, the the prospect of what's to come in the near future yeah yeah for me it's um i mean i pledge based off progress um to be totally honest with you i i want to support the development of the game and i do everything i can to do that but 
Um, I started following Star Citizen in 2012 with the original Kickstarter. As a matter of fact, I remember getting an email from someone I knew who was in game development. They worked at Rockstar Games at the time saying, hey, check out this game um, that Chris Roberts is, is propping up Star Citizen. I went and checked it out and said, hey, this is really cool. I would like to get behind this. But I said at the time, I said, well, I'll, I'll pledge um, once they get to a milestone that I felt is appropriate for me to then dive in financially. And um, they did that with 3.8. So it actually took a while for me. Uh, but 3.8 was the first time they had rolling persistency um, in the game um, where it wasn't a fresh wipe e each time. Yep. And that was the milestone for me that I needed to to understand the long-term vision that, you know, was sort of starting to congeal. And, and so once they did that, I pledged. I didn't pledge much at first. It was just a little bit. And as they've made bigger strides, uh, you know, I invest more. I'm so familiar with the project now, and I've talked to so many people at, you know, not only CIG, but who who understand the code. Um, and I know what, to some degree, this so a lot of the stuff that's been worked on in the background that the public doesn't see yet, that I feel very confident about the future of the game. In, current, in terms of its current state, I yeah, I'm right there with Ender. From patch to patch, it's different. Um, 3.9 was horrible for me. 3.8 was one of the most the funnest patches I've had. Yeah. 3.9 was horrible. I almost could not play at 30k all the time. Yeah. I had horrible performance. Um, 3.10 wasn't much better for me. 3.11 started getting fun, and I'm having a lot of fun now in game. I, I feel like it's stable enough to have fun. It's a patch by patch basis. Mm -hmm. However, what I will say, well, what I will say about the state of the game not just its current state, but maybe like six months, you know, past and present in terms of, you know, that sort of place of the game's history is that I do like that it's being said that they're going to focus on quality um, going forward. Um, Chris Roberts just said that recently, and, and people like Todd Pappy have said that um, uh, quality builds with maximum game time are kind of key and important to them right now. So I'm glad they're starting to do that. And I also think that the new roadmap was something that really needed to happen. Um, I'm glad they did it. It kind of re reinvigorated my support for the game. It was mm -hmm. always there since 3.8, and I felt good about it. But I still thought communication was poor. Um, but I do think the new roadmap is almost kind of... Um, giving me new hope <laughs> yeah. to where we can, you know, that transparency. I and mean, that transparency, though, feeds into the current game, though. So it does. it's related to the current state of the game because when I can see problems with the current state of the game, but then I can look at the roadmap and see something's being worked on that will affect the problem I just had, that, pro that problem I just had is not a problem anymore. Because I really do think long-term, just with what I do for a living, you know, I work on projects that take years so for me, I think long-term, and it doesn't bother me if I jump on Star Citizen one Friday night, and it's terrible, and I just have a horrible time. Matter of fact, me and Ender joke about it. We're like, up, oh, it's a star, it's a, it's a uh, bad it's server night. night. You know what yeah. I mean? And, we'll and I'm sure there's a good over. server, but we'll have like, we'll be on three servers that are just aren't working out. And we're like, what do you want to play? You know, and we just move off. We don't, we don't let it get us down or, yeah. or detract from the game at all. We have that backup game in place. Mm -hmm. And so... From that standpoint, the current state of the game is great for me. I'm really enjoying it. 
even yeah. even on those nights it's bad yeah. even on the nights yeah. it's bad for sure i think there's yeah. been a lot of uh just to touch on a point you made there's been a lot of in the last year and i've said this a bunch of times um there's been an awful lot of moments where you kind of see like oh cig i think cig yeah. knows the game they want to make now um mm -hmm. and they're like that's the direction they're headed because at first it was you know star marine was this weird thing and there was you know, this other studio that came in to work on some stuff yeah. and that didn't work out. They had to rewrite the engine, I don't know, 16 times yeah. by now. And it, you know, are we going to use the cry engine? No, you know, we're going to make our own thing. Lumberyard, oh, it's modified lumberyard, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And all of that stuff was all this like build, 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 build. And we're starting to see content. I mean, we're starting to see the um, dynamic events. We're starting to see some of the lore kind of of Xeno threat and of Ninetales and stuff kind of filter its way into the game and the idea of, yeah. of what pyro is going to be like and all these kind of different things as we see how jump gates are going to work so and it, like you talked about with server stability like i think 313 has been except right away um 313 yeah. and 313.1 um i mean i played for six and a half hours last night not 130k you know yeah. um and yeah. th that's and that's mm -hmm. pretty common i mean and in, like you said in three point i think it was 3.8 no 3.9 and 3.10 especially 30ks were i mean hour by hour sometimes yeah, you know it was brutal yeah and it was it yeah. was it was so to see it go from that state last year to the state it's in this year being able to handle 46 retaliators firing their torpedoes at a bengal <laughs> carrier that's flying around everest yeah. harbor with an idris escort like that is something that was unheard of impossible yeah. one year ago at this time you know it just yeah. would not happen one year ago so it was really interesting to see to see that real development in the back-end services that can handle the front-end stuff a lot better. So things yeah. like, you know, the server-side occlusion and occlusion culling and things like that, it's all yeah. steps in the right direction to build the game I think they know they want to build now, you know? Yeah, and and you see that with, I, with more and more stuff coming on board mm -hmm. that are performance-related, especially long-term performance-related, um, you know, ship culling um, and, and technologies like that. They're going to be needed, mm -hmm. not... And, and from an additive standpoint, right? So ship culling alone is not going to solve it, the performance issues. But ship culling, higher server tick rates, um, the Gen 12 renderer, all those things are going to start piling on to make for a better experience. For so sure. it's nice to see some of those being focused on now. Um, you know, moving forward, we're going to have a better day-to-day -day play experience, I think. And you, you've got a lot of people who right now are like, well, this doesn't need to be in the game now. Uh, because there's still all these other issues. You know, Death of a Spaceman is a prime example. There are people who would say, this doesn't need to be here now. Um, but the way I look at it is, the faster they get it in, uh, and the faster they get that uh, better prepped, the better, right? Yeah. So it, it, the more tweaking they do to that in, in the now, the less they have to do later, and they can focus on those other smaller items. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 loving the state of where things are moving towards and and getting you know server meshing and and just all of this set up now. I can't wait. It's going to be yeah. great. For sure. Um, I definitely think it is uh, patch to patch. <clears throat> and I had the same issue. I believe with three nine for whatever reason. Um, that was just that was a hard one for me. And I want to say there was one other that as as the patch went on, it was just. Or difficult, but I think um, when 
nothing and i know cig has said this and others and i'm not trying to use this as a crutch but nothing on this scale has ever been done before yeah. um so they don't have a template to kind of base star citizen off of this is this was one man's dream that now has evolved and it's been shared with all of us so seeing seeing things on the progress tracker and seeing issues that you know uh we have uh while in the ptu and and just like you said, knowing that, okay, this is what they're working on, I think uh, was a great addition, uh, being able to see that part of the roadmap. That type of exposure um, really speaks volumes, and it allows for a lot of people to kind of base their pledges off of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I myself, my first pledge was the Cutlass Black, and I had seen the Kickstarter through a friend, uh, and I, I wasn't, like, super heavy into, I guess... Um, I think I played a little bit of Elite Dangerous and some other things uh, as well. And I had seen the Kickstarter. I kind of watched it and I was like, man, this is this is so grand. How are they going to possibly pull this off? Um, and when it went through and then they started releasing, you know, the separate modules, I was like, you know what? This thing. And then being back now in where it is, I, st I still sometimes can't believe it. The, the scale of what Star Citizen yeah. um, is becoming. And I always, I said it last year, I thought this year would be a defining year for the project. And it, I still believe that, you know, with everything that we see through 314 all the way to 316 in the last quarter of the year. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. I don't, yeah, I, I, I kind of cut off zero there. No. I don't think there would be a, a digital citizen con announced this year if they didn't know they had something worthwhile to show and talk about. So I, I look at that as a good sign. And, um, I, you know, I always tell people, too, that I know that are thinking about pledging or, or getting into the game. I'm, I, and, and this is why it's important to hear from Chris Roberts and stuff, is that don't pledge for the game in its current state. You will be disappointed, not only from its performance, but from the vision. Like, if you get in there now, you can have fun, go do some bounties, you get killed, not a big deal, you respawn. But there's going to be a lot of disruptive, I'll call them disruptive gameplay loops that come on board that people may not be used to in a game. You know, not only the death of a spaceman and the medical system and how that's going to work, but also the, you know, semi-permadeath that'll come on board, manually loading cargo ships and all that. You know, we got the trolley, but trust me, manually loading your ship's going to be a thing. So, you know, loading up a cargo won't be a 10-second process. It may be a two-hour process. And Star Citizen, the, the game it will be, is very, very different than what it currently is. So, you know, make sure you're you're pledging for what it will be. For sure. Yeah. So real quick on that, because I know yeah. Zero uh, had a point. I just wanted to touch on what he just said. Don't pledge for the current state. Pledge for what will be. Your go there's this is a lot of people. Um, it's this isn't so much a space game so much as it is a simulation, a future simulations game that just happens to have space elements. You're gonna have to eat and drink. You guys gonna have to shower. Okay, you're gonna have to. I think they said you're gonna have to do some type of hygiene i don't know if that's defecating or not but you're gonna have to carry your crates you're gonna it's gonna take time to do things you're gonna have to get, garner supplies for your ship because you're gonna be aboard just think about that you're gonna be aboard your ship for possibly weeks real lifetime that into game time you're gonna need things like that and it's not mm -hmm. just gonna be some Fortnite. you know i jump in and out that's not what star citizen is and i think a lot of people they make their pledges based on hype and not so much what star says it's going to be in its eventual state. And I think that's yeah. super important. And I just wanted to put my two cents in. Okay. Zero. Sorry. sorry. No, you're right. You're right. 
So I just wanted to ask, uh, so changing gears just a little bit. Um, so what do you guys have for future plans? Uh, I know we've, we discussed pre-stream a few, a few things that you got coming down the pipeline. So regarding, uh, Twitch, uh, YouTube channels particularly, and then we'll maybe touch on one kind of special upcoming project too. But, um, so between Twitch and YouTube, uh, what do you guys think like more videos? Are you thinking more live streaming? Uh, live streaming into YouTube videos, that kind of thing. So tell us a little bit about that, what your kind of future stuff looks like. Um, for now, so we, we do the Twitch thing. We love being able to, to interact with the community and, and talk with the community. Um, we are working on a few uh, YouTube things uh, and some Twitch stuff as well. So as far as YouTube goes, uh, we've teased it at the end of two videos. Grim, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think two videos. Yeah, uh, Chronicles. Think so. Yeah. Um, it's it's our story-driven uh, uh, episodic mix of yeah <clears throat> episodic uh, mix of cinematic and in-game uh, machinima. Yeah. Um, so we get to to kind of record in-game and then. Grim gets to do some magic to it and make it look just a little bit better um, that we're working yeah. on and and <laughs> it's coming down the pipeline. Right yeah, on. We'll wow. be able to tell stories that people that are doing machinima currently can't really do um, because there's no visual in game to tell that part of the story. So, for example, we're going to be able to have machinimas that can go through jump gates that can yep. do other weird things, feature ships that aren't in the universe yet. Um, so we're, yeah, it's all about bringing machinima and our cinematic work together into like episodic narrative things. Yeah. Um, and we've, and we've made connections with some of the best machinima makers out there. And, you know, we want to use those friendships to get good advice and good, you know, techniques and stuff down. Uh, but Chronicles is something we're starting very, very soon. Cool. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And then we're wow. also Wonderful. working on, um, I, I mentioned it up there. Remember Star Jump Station. Uh, we're, yeah. we're working on a, a show that, that <laughs> Grim and I will do, uh, the just basically sitting down and chit chatting. Yeah. Much uh, like this. Yeah. A lot like this. Um, cool. and, and just kind of stream it to. Uh, Twitch and and kind of just enjoy yeah. conversations about little tidbits of news and and have conversations with uh, people from the verse. Yeah, still uh, have cinematics that will come. I mean, eventually it'll be every manufacturer. Um, the Crusader cinematics probably about seventy percent done. It's obviously been on pause for a little bit because I decided to move Ages up in the pipeline, but. Crusader was about 70% done before I even started on the Aegis cinematic. So I'll probably finish Crusader out soon here and then um, then start production on RSI cinematic. So that's that's kind of the current, the next two in the pipeline for that. Um, and then on the Twitch side of things, so that's our YouTube channel. On the YouTube, I do want to do more behind the scenes and stuff. We're going to have some... Um, some smaller stuff come on board there too that we're still figuring out. I look at the Twitch side of things, though, is just that sort of way to stay relevant. It's almost like promotion, you know what I mean? So, like, if Ender's streaming one night, even if I'm not on or if I'm streaming or something, it's to keep the Star Jump name circulating and percolating because the unfortunate thing with the cinematics is I can't churn them out every 
two weeks yeah. you know what i mean so in the world of youtube algorithms yeah. you will very quickly become you know you know evaporate yep so there's got to be a way to have something that's constantly there and that's i think the purpose that the, the streams serve um and again like ender said you can you can interact with your uh, community in a really cool way so uh, we want to do more of that and then um you know just keep the youtube channel alive i think we want to have our hands different pies honestly mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good idea. And another thing, too, is I look through some of your videos. I mean, even in some of the, like, the Aegis Dynamics teaser one, you know, it's just yeah. a teaser video. It's uh, 58 seconds long, and yeah. it's got 92,000 views. You know, like, yeah. people are excited about these kinds of things. Those little teaser videos and stuff are a great way to kind of, you know, keep content flowing. Even if it's something small, I think people, weirdly, yeah. people lose their minds for teaser videos for everything these days. And that's, um, and that's exactly what I was saying at the beginning of the show, where yeah. I probably would not do a nine-minute video anymore. I think yeah. the shorter, smaller, bite-sized stuff gets more attention and um, gets out to a wider audience. So I think yeah. you could see us doing a lot of shorter, bite-sized stuff like that. I just did a um, a submission for uh, one of the CIG contests that was going on uh, for Show Your Colors or whatever, and I did something with a guitar Braylon just because I was like, oh, I'll just try something. It was 30 seconds long. It was really short. Um, so I think more stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other big project we're working on is um, we're working on essentially a new fleet visualizer um, that is in collaboration with VMXEO and Starlet, um, two community members out there that are also uh, pretty well known. And the fleet visualizer will be something that is, I'm hoping, like Starship 42 in that we just see it everywhere. I'm hoping that people post their fleet picks um, using the visualizer on forums and anywhere else and stuff. It'll be kind of cool to see to see that. You know, I'm, I am friends with, uh, I, always, can I always mispronounce his name. I just call him Lund. But Lund, who developed Starship 42, and I think it's a really cool site. Everyone uses it. And this will be sort of like that, but it'll be using the cinematic assets so it'll be your ships will look really cool. It won't have the dynamic camera of Starship 42, but you're going to be able to select all your ships, select an angle, so top down, profile, isometric, and whatever, and then hit go, and it will populate your ships into that view. Then you're going to be able to click on them, move them around, and essentially build little fleet picks. Mm. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. It's a big oh. endeavor, but one of the benefits of it is because i have to take every single ship and star citizen texture it light it get it looking real pretty it's actually going to do all the back-end work for the future manufacturer cinematics so all the work i would have had to do oh, to nice. prep the ships for the cinematics are being done by the fleet visualizer work uh, and it's going good we already have prototypes working prototypes of the fleet visualizer it works really well um, now all we have to do is chug through all the ships. Um, and then once we do, we'll launch that and we'll try to launch it in a big way. But I think it's going to be something that the entire community, Star Citizen community can use and, and you know, ha almost like have access to the cinematic assets for their own purposes. One other thing that we're working on is, I don't oh. know if you guys know this, but uh, if you have a 3D radar and you hold F... <laughs> Um, and you <laughs> click on an icon, you can actually yes. target one of those people. Um, uh. So we're working on that as well. Fantastic. <laughs> That's good. <Yeah. laughs>
just for you, Janix. Uh, love you too, Janix. <laughs> I saw him in the chat a minute ago too, and I'm like, he's got to hear it. He's got to hear it. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect stuff. Oh. So yeah, there's a lot going on. That much I can say. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't say. <clears throat> here's a little Easter egg that a lot of people don't know. Um, there, at one point, we were going to do this "The More You Know" series, um, <laughs> you sort of based off the night. Yeah, sort of based off the 1980s cartoons that um, you know at the end of GI Joe or whatever. It'd be like "The More You Know" and the rainbow and all that, mm -hmm. and it would give you some pro tip for your for your life. We were going to do that with Star Citizen. That would be some cool pro tip for Star Citizen or point out some bug. So and we were going to render everything mm -hmm. in like 1980s cartoon style. And we actually did a test of that um, with the Carrick. <laughs> and while we didn't end up really going down that track, one of the ideas originally was that after I finished the Aegis cinematic, I was going to redo the entire cinematic in 1980s cartoon style. Mm -hmm. Um, with like 80s cartoon sound effects and all that stuff that also didn't happen, but it's it's in you never know it's in the back burner. We may uh, we may circle this. back around yeah. to it. He put out the show us your colors um, uh, cinematic that he did, and the entire time I was waiting for this. He 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 put together a test for for the more you know. Uh, yeah, you know how the music is. The more you know. Yeah, actually, I I watched that video and I saw that the you know the yeah I fully the rail and go across and I was know. like that reminds me a lot of that same yep. gif. Yeah. <laughs> the actual test we did though of that project looked like legit. Like for like it was everything was cell shaded like a cartoon. It had like mm. bad VHS effects all over it. Oh yeah. It totally felt like you were watching something from the eighties. And it was of a scene of a Carrick flying through a star field, but all the stars looked like they were like hand-drawn sprites yeah. and everything. It felt really cool from a stylistic standpoint, and I think it's something people would really like to see. Um, I just got to figure out a pipeline to make production of something like that. Um, good. But in general, I'll say Star Jump projects, we're trying to do stuff that is unique um, that maybe people haven't seen before. So... Obviously, there's really good machinima makers out there already, so we're trying to put our own spin on that. So machinima, cinematics combined into one narrative story. Um, pretty much everything we do, we're trying to put our spin on it. All right on. So one last question before we let you guys go. Cool. Is your favorite ship manufacturer and why? And we'll start with Ender. Um, get ready to get, get ready to pitchforks chat pitchforks yeah. and <laughs> get ready to love or hate these I don't even know this anymore I don't even know what your favorite I think I know what your favorite manufacturer is yeah. I think you I think you do uh, so when I first started I would have told you it was probably uh, Anvil I loved Anvil a lot mm -hmm. now I like the Aegis ships but there's only mm -hmm. a few that I really really like but uh, I'll be uh I'll be honest, it's changed ever since the MSR and the uh, C2 M2 came out, and it's it's Crusader now. Uh, the interior oh of those are so RP-ready. Um, there's so much going on with all of them, uh, and there's so much potential just to RP and hang out in a ship. And there's no reason to leave them. Uh, so for me, it's got to be Crusader uh, because they really put a lot of thought into 
the design of those ships, mm. and I love it a Very lot. Very true. Yeah. Um, for me, it is, um, and usually this is where the pitchforks come out. 100%. So um, for me, it is definitely Drake, um, hundred percent. However, Hell yeah. I like. I knew yeah. I liked you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, is a is you don't buy a Kraken if you're not a Drake fan, believe me. Um, but I really like all the Drake line. I love the cut. And here's the thing: I hated the Cutlass when I first pledged because I pledged for the oh, Freelancer. That only lasted for about a month. I melted that thing and got a Cutlass. Um, I love all the ships in the Drake line. However, I will say, I do think the Perseus was an, a, a really cool step up for RSI's design aesthetic, and then the Scorpius is also really cool. If the Polaris's redesign and reconcepting that we know it's kind of undergoing right now, if it ends up being as cool as those, um, I could get swayed a little bit to the RSI um, side. But I really do like Drake. Um, I have the Drake long, big mouse pad in front of me here. I'm a big Drake fan. Love it. Love it. Yes. Well, I don't have to ask, but Sonoda, your favorite ship manufacturer is probably Origin, right? You like those really yeah. clean lines, bougie yeah. bathrooms, right? <laughs> what trick question? I actually ride around on a Pico, and I self-destruct. Oh, that's... I hate that thing. <laughs> and <laughs> that's where the 30Ks come from, everybody. You, you hear a, you hear Sonoda screaming across the, the verse, and then your server 30Ks. <laughs> Laughter in the distance. There you go. So we know we know Sonoda's favorite is is Drake. Um, you know I've I've swayed a lot too. Actually, I'm not somebody who's always had a favorite. For a while, for me, it was Drake, uh, just because the very the variability of the ships. Cutlass is mm -hmm. so different from the Buccaneer. Is so different from, of course, like the you know. But yep. the but you can all tell like when you get in, you're like this is a Drake ship. So that was kind of something special. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite manufacturer so much as a favorite ship. Uh, for the same reason. Um, uh, Ender, that you like the Crusader lineup. I like the Constellation series. I think the Constellation is such a cool multi-crew. It, it, like, you get up into it, and you're like, I feel like I'm up in a ship, and it's multi-crew capable. I could take this three systems over and live in it with a crew of, like, two or three good buddies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just love that about the Constellation series. I have my own reservations about the Constellation's landing gear, but other than that... <laughs> I really like the Constellation yeah. series. But. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's well, a good series, for yeah. sure. Uh, Zero and I, we thank you guys so much for uh, coming on uh, the show here, being our first guest ever. I couldn't think of anyone better. And when he told me that he secured you guys on our super exclusive wait list, <laughs> I, was, I was really jazzed up. Um, so Could thank you. you. Where, where can people find you guys? What's the best way? It's the Twitch. best way uh, to get Twitch. Yeah, Twitch on the and day -day, YouTube. It's probably Twitch on the day to day. Obviously, um, Star Jump underscore Ender and Star Jump underscore Grim on um, on Twitch, and then obviously our YouTube channel, um, which you mm -hmm. can just go type Star Jump and Star Citizen. It's going to come up. Um, obviously, like and subscribe if you like that content. We are going to continue to put out more and more stuff there. Um, but yeah, Twitch for day to day. And then both of those locations will link you to our discord. We're pretty yep. active in our discord. We use it as like day to day communication and we have a lot of great people over there, um, from other content creator communities and stuff. So it's kind of a great meeting place to interact with us. Right on. Well, thanks. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, We appreciate you having us. Thanks so oh. much. We're honored.
to be the first. For sure. No, thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> you guys have a good rest of your day. Zero, let's go ahead and finish up the old podcast here. Um, I think we have one or two topics uh, last. And I'm just going to pull up our little uh, itinerary. Um, I think it was something to deal with the calling all devs we wanted just there, there was two or one or two little bits about the mm -hmm. medical the fps scanning and then uh what what else was included in that in the end video there yeah we were talking about the calling all devs uh and we were talking about we, we were going to talk about some of the things that, that that they chatted about a little bit there i gotta i gotta bring it up here for a minute um but uh let me just bring that yeah sorry all devs I, I know they I know they brought up the uh, the medical and the tool, and they showed a little bit of that. Um, and I know you had mentioned to me that the tool is gonna it's going to detect on uh, player bodies the type of injuries they have and how mm -hmm. they can treat them. Um, there was one last question for the guys before they actually head out: Is uh, when's the RSI video coming? <laughs> Sorry, I know that was a little late. Um. That's a good question. Um, I think the Crusader video would only require probably about another two weeks of work, honestly, to get it done. Um, so it's really mm -hmm. just deciding on a start point for the um, the RSI video. I'll say this about the RSI video, though. I spent about two months prepping all the Aegis ships from scratch. One good thing I can say about the RSI video is all the ships are done already. Oh, cool. Um, I have all the Connie's done. I have the Polaris done, which was a big time sink. I have the Bengal and a couple of other surprises um, that I'll save for the cinematic, but all the RSI ships are done, so it's a, it's a quicker start there. Right on. Well, that's great to hear, guys. We look, we look forward to uh, seeing you guys grow and more of your uh, content keep coming out. I think the community loves it, so very happy Appreciate about it. that. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. So Everyone, don't forget to jump over to their YouTube click the subscribe button head on over to their social media uh both respectively and of course uh they're both their twitch channels and hit the follow button if you would like to see more all right absolutely thanks guys thank you appreciate okay so what were the two things just before we close out because i know we're coming to the end i just i feel i would feel remiss if we didn't mention it i know it was the medical the fps scanning um and I think you talked about server meshing a little bit. Yeah, so it devs. seems like most of the technical videos that we're seeing from CIG these days, um, we are seeing them kind of always kind of touching on iCache and how that's going to, you know, function in with a feature or how server meshing is going to, you know, function in with whatever feature they're talking about a little bit. So when they're talking about things like healing, personal inventory, anytime they talk about personal inventory, they're always, they discuss a little bit about how iCache is going to stream that in or they discuss a little bit about how um, server meshing is going to make that work with iCache and that kind of thing. So um, the, the the calling all devs core gameplay update, which I've linked in your chat, um, is is nothing. Yeah. I don't want to say nothing new, but there's it, it, it follows that model where they always touch on that kind of stuff. So really, what they ended up talking about um, it was uh, with their core gameplay director um, Richard Tyrer, and uh, he was uh, talking about I always that name. Yeah, he was talking about uh, healing personal inventory. Um, hacking and the biggest one I think that most people have been talking about is how healing is going to work so he actually detailed one really interesting thing that I wanted to touch on especially was that there's going to be well the idea is that there's going to be some kind of a downed state so you take enough damage and you enter this kind of you can't stand up you're prone uh, and you're bleeding out kind of state which can last he did mention up to like two hours but he wasn't you know um 
you know, super on that, super uh, um, descript on that, you know, it's all kind of up in the air, but that's the idea, is that you'll take enough damage to the point where you can get rescued, but you're pretty much helpless, um, and how they're going to balance all that. So there's a lot of discussion around which things are going to help you do what stuff. So can you inject yourself with a med pen and get yourself back up? Probably not in that case, but if you have like a damaged leg that's not working properly, you could hit your leg with a med pen and it might heal the superficial wounds, give you the HP back, but you're still going to have a limp until you go to a, you know, tier two a healing facility and get that taken care of, something like a, like an Apollo or maybe a hospital or something like that. Um, so. Even if you're stranded on some planet, you know, for let's say two hours, you always have the option to, you know, to check out yourself if you just don't want to yeah. wait for someone to come scoop you or try to resuscitate you yep. in, in some kind of way. Well, that's a big thing okay. that's been talked about, too, is that um, CIG, I, I, they're pl at the end of the day, we always call it like a life space simulator, whatever we want to call it. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. And yeah. CIG, yeah. just, uh, you know, just to put this out there, CIG is not going to make a game space. I promise you guys, they're not going to make a game space where your time is held hostage without the option to either give up or somehow continue your gameplay in a different way. You're never going to be like, oh, I'm downed on this planet and I'm just going to have to lay here for two hours until I die. What's going to happen is yeah. you're going to be downed on a planet, you realize help is probably not going to be able to come, and you're going to have to, you know, check out, like, as you mentioned, you know, give up whatever it might be, respawn. And there may be a penalty associated with that. Um, and that's where... You know, gameplay kind of trumps that realism a little bit um, in in those moments. You know, same thing with maybe being captured if you're a criminal and you're captured by a bounty hunter. You don't really want to stare at the interior of a Cutlass Blue through frozen carbonite eyes for an hour <laughs> while the Cutlass Blue guy goes and takes a shower and a shit and, you know, then eventually yeah. delivers it. You don't want to do that. You know, you want this thing to come up that's like you've been captured would you like to try waiting for somebody to rescue you, rescue, you know, yeah. or would you like to give up and move on with your game space in prison while the bounty hunter gets to deliver your now NPC driven body to whatever entity. So he gets his gameplay and you get your next, next step in gameplay. Um, I think that totally makes mm. sense. And it could be the opposite too. If you're captured in a situation where pirates have you hostage um, CIG is never going to create that space where you're stuck there. Uh, you know, they're good. They're always going to give you the option to be able to move on from a situation like that when your situation is completely helpless. Um, I, and I don't know what those systems look like, but that's all part of this personal inventory, you know, healing, you know, all of the, how those things connect to the game space, you know, it's all kind of part of this. So how they deal with that gameplay is pretty important. So. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I just wanted to clear that last little bit up because I knew I was forgetting something in there. Um, and I and I just think that's um, interesting because I know we've spoken about the whole, I guess, NPC ragdoll situation. If you're a bad guy and you get captured, it'd be interesting to actually be in the cryopod and have that choice of, which is something that I hadn't thought of outside of the replacement of the character to prison. You know, I wait this out or am I going to you know, head on over, start serving my time. And mm -hmm. then the whole thing, you know, with prison that we've spoken about as well, you know, needing to be extremely updated. Uh, so it's actually a thing. And like Zero said, you know, your time isn't just going to be sitting there. They understand it's a video game and there needs to be some, there needs to be loops for uh, everyone to yeah. complete. So you're just not sitting around. Okay. Yeah. So as we, 
as we come to the end here, guys, if you have any questions that you would like to ask, I know we've already had a few uh, during uh, during uh, having the guests on. Um, we'll kind of allocate, you know, a minute or two to see if you guys pop up with anything while me and Zero kind of chit-chat a bit. If we don't have anything, we'll have maybe a couple closing thoughts, and then we'll just kind of sign off from there. I do believe Zero is going to be going live on his channel after. Is that right? Uh, I maybe. Um, I'm not sure if I'm just going to have a gaming night or not. I have to kind of figure out what my night looks okay. like. Uh, there's a a few things I could <laughs> finish up here. Um, I've got a, a lawn to mow. Any question? That's not a euphemism either. Um, but uh, <laughs> he says so. Is tier tier one is hospitals? They're well, they're bringing in. We have the hospitals in game, but they're flushing out the textures they're in, and I think that's going to give you uh, possibly a spawn area. But it's not going to be fully functional, as you could imagine, you know, with the whole if you get your arm blown off in some battle, you're not going to have like some you're not going to wake up with an augmented arm just yet. I think those things are far down the pipeline, yeah. but they're putting in the building blocks for it. So um, I think and I think that it, the question might have come from that, but it might also be so in, in the, the calling all devs video, they talked about tier three, tier two and tier one injuries. And he mentioned right. almost immediately he was like, I would have liked it to be tier one, two, three in order of severity, but it's actually opposite. So tier one is the most severe injury, whereas tier two is a lesser injury, like a hairline fracture or, and then tier three is like a superficial injury. So like my leg has taken some damage and I'm limping a little bit. Well, I can just maybe use a med pen, take care of that HP problem. And now I'm okay again. Uh, tier two injury might be like a hairline fracture to that same leg where I can heal up the HP, but there's an underlying issue that I need to visit maybe an Apollo or a hospital would work too, um, or some kind of other place, or maybe even just wait, you know, and that tier two injury, you know, might heal itself over time. Hairline fracture could heal itself, and you know, over time, um, given not enough stress. And tier two uh, injuries might, you know, be something more systemic, like uh, you just have to deal with low blood pressure for a while where you can't pull the same g maneuvers that's been a really common one that we've talked about but as far as like tier tier mm -hmm. one injuries those are very serious that's like your leg is messed up you know you <laughs> you can't use that arm uh, so for instance he he kind of detailed like well maybe like a a tier three or a tier two injury might be you know your arm is a little messed up um but you can still use your gun you're gonna have a little more weapon sway you know you might get tired mm -hmm. a little bit faster while carrying something etc um but as far as like a tier one injury, you know, that arm is is shot, you know, and you have to visit a hospital to get that arm fixed either with a prosthetic maybe in the future or just, you know, you go to the hospital and they they figure it out. Um, they also talked a little bit about um, med guns and how they might work as somebody who is playing a medic at that at that point uh, will use a med gun and you'll have a readout that says, you know, here's what's wrong with this person and here's the best way to get that person back on their feet. Here's the, you know, drugs you can administer to kind of help them you know, have the best gameplay experience while you get them to a hospital. You know, I think that's pretty important. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Do what, Mon think, what um... Monkey said is true. The tier one injuries are really serious. Like that's, you know, you've taken uh, a grenade shot nearby and you have that, you know that you guys have seen if you get shot in the head sometimes in game, like that your helmet, ringing. the ringing and the, you'll see like weird colors. You're, you're like permanently concussed. And that's, we see those things in the game now. And those are the kind of injuries that are going to be much more systemic. And you'll want to visit either a tier two or a tier one facility to be able to treat those and get rid of them. So, yeah. 
It's a question for myself mm -hmm. uh, to you. Do you think hospitals around the verse in the various systems when it comes time for that will offer um, missions, ground missions to individuals who enjoy medical gameplay? Like you go over, for instance, you go to a hospital and there's a, you know, you, you have some type of certification, like a bounty hunter certification, but for medical gameplay as some type of medic, and you can go to NPCs and diagnose and heal them. Do you think there will be anything like that? Uh, I hope so. I mean, I really hope that, I mean, it could be anything. It, the delivery missions could take, um, you know, they want you to go across the system and pick up some kind of medical supplies, you know, please, you know, mm -hmm. we need, we need five SCU of, you know, medical supplies of some kind, and we need them brought here within, you know, 45 minutes uh, or an hour from the next system over or something like that. Um, you know, and, and I will say like Elite Dangerous has this kind of mission, and I hope that CIG takes that idea. Um, those kinds of missions can build your little lore story. You know, I spent, I spent last night's play session uh, restocking hospitals with, you know, morphine or whatever, right? Um, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think yeah. that's really cool. So... But yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I hope they add something like that. I wasn't too in depth with um the uh the other game. God, it's escaping me now. Um Elite Dangerous, geez. Um, but I definitely hope that they incorporate some of the more timed missions yeah. into Star Citizen, especially sure. with even timed bounties would be, you know, something super interesting to yeah. me. Um and not just, you know. I mean, we, we can get into that in yeah. another podcast, perhaps, something that me, me and you both know. Yeah, something that stresses your that, that stresses your gameplay, that makes it a little bit more exciting, but doesn't make it unplayable, um, is is really important. I think that really helps with games like Elite Dangerous or these kind of games where it's like, you know, I can't just take six weeks to complete this mission. This mission gives me a couple of days, you know, so. Um, there are a couple oh, of questions yeah. posted in the chat. Hi, Sergeant Wayne. Um, and... uh what I mean. Dodge says, uh, so you have to find a hospital. Will larger ships be tier two only? They did talk a little bit about that. Um, I am going to link the uh, Calling All Devs um, article on the CIG website, which the video is there. You just click that and it opens up the player. Um, and you can watch that too. It's a really interesting one. And he, he does talk, he does touch yeah. base a little bit on that, where like the Cutlass Red, you won't be able to respawn, which apparently was a surprise to some people. It was never, I feel like I've known that for a long time, that the Cutlass Red was not going to be a respawn location. Um, but it may treat tier two injuries given a little bit of time. They can tweak all of those things. So like the Cutlass Red might be able to treat your tier one and tier two injuries, but a tier two injury would be more difficult to treat on a Cutlass Red. If you're in an ambulance, for instance, you know, an ambulance can probably set your leg. I can guarantee you that every ambulance out there has casting material and could probably do it, you know, given some time, but it's going to take longer. It's going to take more effort and it may not be as good of a fix as take me to the hospital so they can do it there and do it a little bit in a, in a better, a cleaner environment, a better environment, you know? So, um, I can see them doing yeah. That. And so it could be tweaked like that. You know, the, the cutlass red might be able to do this, 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 and this, but these last three things, the cutlass red isn't going to be quite as good at, so it's going to take longer or it's not going to be quite as good of a fix as if you just took it to a hospital, you know, uh, took that person to a hospital. So, you know, you have to make, then you have to make those gameplay decisions where it's like, okay, do I treat my friend here in my Cutlass Red and get him back on his feet because we have a mission to complete? Or can we forego the mission for now or altogether and just say, all right, I'm going to take you to the hospital to get it done right, you know? And so then you kind of have to make that, you, you can make those game space decisions piece by piece, which is which is really cool. And it, it creates more player-driven priority um, with 
with your gameplay, which I really like. Um, so yeah. I have another question here. Sure. You already know, it says, do we know if they're going for realism or full-on space magic when it comes to FPS health and TTK? I think the, from what I understand from this core gameplay update, uh, calling all devs was, um, they really do want to create, uh, it's a bit of a hybrid, but there's a lot of realism to it. I mean, you have to think that, you know, it's 950 years in the future. So we have a, a crab shaped spaceship that bleeds when it loses an arm, you know? And so mm -hmm. 950 years in the future, well, a lot of stuff can happen. So they're, you know, the idea of a med pen that injects you with something that helps your body create more platelets or you know to uh you know clot blood up better or something like that um is almost reasonable from a realism standpoint um but then we look I into totally it's also a video game you know and we have to remember that too that it's not just a realistic simulator it's also a video game we have to have gameplay you know we have to have that as well um so as we as we see more of that stuff come out and be more smooth especially you know, right now you use a med pen and you, you use it and it doesn't do anything. Well, that's just a game bug, you know. The idea is that you pull out a med pen, you use it, and it'll realistically help you with uh, either that limb's health or your systemic health, one of the two. Um, and then taking underlying damage like a bullet through the arm is going to hurt your arm more than a med pen can heal. So then you need somebody with a med gun to help you out. So um, right. it, that's where, like, it, it transfers from, like, med pen, which is, like, almost like tier zero superficial injuries, tier one, or uh, tier three, excuse me, superficial, you know, injuries. And then you have the med gun, which can diagnose and help treat those tier three, almost into the tier two stuff, where it's like, hey, there's a more systemic issue. Well, let's get you back on your feet. And the med gun will help administer the appropriate drugs to be able to do that. And so that is a little bit of that ma space magic uh, with the healing gameplay, but name another game that's trying to go that in-depth with healing gameplay. I mean, there's very few of them. You know, we're talking, like, sim-level games, like Arma with their Ace 3 uh, healing gameplay and uh, and different games like that. Scum is pretty in-depth. Escape from Tarkov is pretty in-depth. But those aren't, those aren't MMO space games either. You know what I mean? Um, and so we have to kind of yeah. keep that in mind of, like, CIG wants to build something unique, but that doesn't mean that they can't use some of the you know, things that some of the gameplay mechanics that we see in other games and build upon those too. So. All right. Well, we're coming to the end here. Do you have any closing thoughts before we head out? Honestly, it was really I fun to it. talk. It was really fun to talk with the star jump guys. It's so cool to, I think, I think I, I met one of them when Ender just popped into the chat and I was like, Oh, you're the star jump guy, huh? <laughs> And he was like, well, I'm one of them. And I didn't know yeah. if it was one guy or, or one person or if it was a, a team of 10 people that made those videos. I had no idea. So it's been so cool to get to know them a little bit and see their, their creative process and, um, you know, kind of watch them grow within the Star Citizen community. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't aware that it was multiple people um, until we kind of confirmed them. I thought it was just a dude, you know, uh, but to know that there's M2 and then others that they collaborate with to make the content, the Star Citizen content, um, yeah. 
I love that. And I hope they keep it up. Uh, it sounds like they got a lot of stuff planned. Um, once again, guys, if you want to check them out, head on over to their, they have two Twitch channels respectively, uh, both their Twitters. We'll, we'll get some links up here in a second. And of course, their YouTube channel where they post it, post all the magic. Um, he, I think he said they have 70% done on the, the other video. So I'm sure we'll be seeing that one relatively soon. Um, the Drake one uh, looks fabulous. Uh, like I said, it was a lot of fun, and I couldn't think of anyone to be our first guest on the podcast here. Uh, I really did enjoy it. It was absolutely talk, for sure. I've thrown some links in the chat if you guys want to check out their YouTube, their individual Twitch streams, um, and there's links to all of their other social media there too. So go check them out, say hi to them, and um, tell them how much uh, we appreciate their work. Yeah. I guess so. Great. All right. Well, I think I think we have a good sign off now. I I'm probably gonna jump over and uh, just keep streaming. I'm gonna take a little break so I can use the little Sonota's room. Um, you said you weren't sure yet if you wanted to take a break and jump over to your channel as well. Uh, uh yeah, I'll probably break for I'll, I'll probably break for a little bit. Um, if if I do stream yeah. tonight, it, you know, I'm not I'm not 100 sure, but I'll be jumping into uh, Star Citizen for sure. I'm gonna. <laughs> sounds weird. I'm probably gonna mow my lawn, which sounds really boring i'm sure that's perfect but, yeah so that'll Video be a good podcast break. mow your lawn mm -hmm. excellent yeah perfect right. what a day i definitely think we we have a good sign off uh with you leading the way so why don't you go ahead and take it from here well from us here at poi fly safe and we'll see you guys next time <laughs>